You have found the Lions College Football Podcast, and we have a good one for you. Packed with some extra stuff this week, not just looking at the slate of games, but we are going to look at the first college football playoff rankings and how they compare to the opinion of the betting market. We'll also check in with Brett Gibbons' preseason win total bets. Spoiler alert, they're looking really good. But welcome in. My name is Steven Andrus, joined by Brett Gibbons, the Lions college football writer. And Brett, we have the first CFP rankings, the first top 25. You posted an article at thelines.com that everybody can find right now, juxtaposing those rankings with national championship futures as well as conference championship futures. Just your first initial thoughts here on on the initial uh, top four and the first two out. Number one, Tennessee. Number two, Ohio State number three, Georgia, number four, Clemson, and then Michigan and Alabama, five and six. Yeah, I don't think there's a ton of surprises when you look at the six as a whole, Um, but leaving Michigan out instead for Clemson is interesting, and also putting TCU behind Alabama. I had a a few bones to pick on Twitter about that one. Uh, Yeah, it's just a, a weird blend of we're taking the resumes into account, but also we're not taking the resumes into account. I sat in on a presser with Boo Corrigan, the North Carolina State AD, who is now head of the CFP committee. And it was just, it was bizarre. It, it was a, it was a bizarre presser. He had bizarre justifications for the, you can tell he doesn't watch the teams. You, you could tell he's, you know, told things and handed papers. And uh, one of his justifications for placing Alabama at six ahead of TCU and LSU at 10th, which whew, is pretty egregious, I think, were wins over unranked Mississippi State. He he referenced those twice in two different questions asked, and he nods them as, well, these are resume wins. But when asked about TCU, who has two wins in their current top 18, Alabama has none in the top 20, spoiler alert. Um, he said they're good wins, really good wins, really good team doesn't take away from their season. That was the question entirely. Didn't answer why he he's something about balance. It, it bizarre. It, it's, it's just bizarre. And I know the first, I know the first rankings don't really matter. It, it's really to set up games that are upcoming, but it, it, it might be the worst justification I've ever heard on these things. It's just inconsistent. So if we look at the betting market, obviously, when it comes to these things and rankings, they're they're not always going to line up with the betting odds. And that's certainly the case here with the number one team, Tennessee, at 12 to one to win the national championship. And then the number two and three teams, Ohio State and Georgia, are co-favorites at two to one, depending on where you shop. Alabama, the second team out, still plus 375, indicating that the market thinks they can just win their way into this thing as long as they keep it clean the rest of the way here. That That's interesting to me. The other side of this is, is the odds to make the college football playoff just to be in the top four to get into the mix. And again, Tennessee, despite being number one, is minus 115 on both sides. Basically a coin flip if you take away the juice on them to make the playoff. So they are an eight-point dog against Georgia. We'll get to that game and break it down, but if they lose to Georgia, can't they just still win the rest of their games, not play in the SEC title game, and still make the playoff? Well, based on what the committee's telling us, yes. Should they? Probably not, especially over you know undefeated ACC champion Clemson or... Yeah, I, I just... 
these so rankings let's play that, tell let's play me, that yeah. scenario out. Let's say yeah. Ohio State gets in. Let's say Georgia, even if they lose in the SEC title game, they're still probably going to get in. Clemson stays undefeated because they're going to be favored and pretty big in every game the rest of the way. That's three teams there. So now we're talking about a one-loss Tennessee who didn't play in the SEC title game. And I guess in this scenario, maybe a, I don't know, a one-loss Michigan if they lose to well, Ohio it, it would, State. It would be the SEC champion Alabama. If they're if they're unseating Georgia, you would have Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, and I should be should be well, undefeated. In that, in that scenario, though, Brett, in that scenario, if SEC, if if Alabama wins the SEC, then Georgia's only loss is in that game, and they have the head to head over Tennessee. In that scenario, right. I don't think Tennessee gets in. We're not going to have three SEC teams in the playoff, are we? Well, if you're using the head to head Alabama, Georgia or Georgia, Tennessee, pardon me, you can certainly use the head-to-head Tennessee, Alabama as well. And again, just just, just yeah. from what they're telling us, by ranking Tennessee first based on the resume, which, which is totally fine. I'm good with that. I would put Tennessee first, but if we're doing resume rankings, I would put Tennessee first. They have earned it. But we've been told time and time again by the committee that it is not resume-based, that it's all about who's the better team. Alabama lost by three on the road in maybe the most raucous environment in college football. What happens if that's in Tuscaloosa? What happens if that's in Atlanta? Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's so interesting. It, it is. It definitely is. That That's perhaps why we're seeing coin flip odds here on Tennessee as they go into a game where they're an eight-point dog despite being the number one team in the country. Uh, just for more perspective here, uh, Clemson, we mentioned – Pretty pretty good shot to go undefeated here. They're minus 190 at this point to make the playoff. Ohio State minus 650. Uh, and then Michigan plus 200. They they uh, they got to beat Ohio State, it seems. Yeah, and I, I haven't looked at the look ahead for Ohio State, Michigan, but it's been double digits all season long. I'm really surprised to see minus 650, though. Yeah, you can bet the no side. The no side on Ohio State to miss the playoff is plus 450. Well, if you're taking Michigan to win, couple it with a with an Ohio State no at plus four fifty. Because if Michigan beats Ohio State, the Ohio State will not make it. They'll, they'll go TCU to the have any chance here? TCU to sneak in undefeated? All right, well, they should. They're plus seven hundred. Yeah. yeah, if they, if they run the table, which I, there's a few tough upcoming games, but if they're running the table in the Big Twelve champion, you're putting them in. And if they don't, that's that is a that's an insult to the sport. Put them in if they're undefeated. It, it should be, it should almost be a foregone conclusion that an undefeated conference champion is in the college football playoff period. End of story. Should be. I don't have the confidence in the market. Doesn't have the confidence. Should be now. Yeah. All right. Well, gun to your head here. What do you like better? Tennessee minus one fifteen or TCU plus seven hundred? I can't bet against TCU again. I can't. I will based on the based on the value. I would take the TCU. I would put a flyer on TCU plus seven hundred. I don't want to lay one fifteen on Tennessee, considering that. So you can look at it two ways. After Saturday, that number is either going to be minus five hundred or it's going to yeah. be plus five hundred. They're just yeah. middling that number right now because we truly. I, and it's not quite middled because they are taking into account the fact that they are this underdog at Georgia and they would have to play presumably Alabama in Atlanta one more time. Um, because of that, I would take TCU. TCU has a more direct route. Even if the committee doesn't quite respect them the same, they have the more obvious route into the playoff than Tennessee does. Even, again, this will change next week. 
But as of today, as it stands before the Georgia game, ten, uh, TCU has a more clear route. And I, I would definitely take the plus 700 over the minus 115. I lied. One more. Alabama is plus 140 to make the playoff. They have games left at LSU, at Ole Miss, a cupcake, and then versus Auburn, and then maybe the SEC title game, plus 140. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to place that bet right now. <laughs> no, but seriously, I, I would I would take that. Plus 140, <laughs> Alabama, are you kidding? They have, a, they have a terrific route into the playoff. Yeah, and you're getting plus money on, on a team that we all thought was one of the two best teams in the country coming into the season. They lose by a field goal in a raucous environment. Now, LSU is going to be that again, but they're a 13.5-point favorite in this game on the road. So plus money yeah. on Alabama to make the playoff seems pretty I like generous. It. I like it. Bet it. I'm betting it. I love it. I love it. All right. Let's talk about uh, some some win totals here. You bet in the early season, Brett, and uh, yeah. looking pretty good so far on a bunch of these. So uh, give us an update here on, on how things look based on uh, on what you bet before the season on win totals. Yeah, it's looking decent. On our second, I believe, episode of this, uh, right before week one, I gave four win totals that I really felt good about. We had Kansas State over six and a half. Currently, they're six and two. So if they win this week, then, which they're projected to do, then we get the win there, but they still got three more games to figure that out. And I believe they still have some pretty easy games ahead of them. West Virginia. I don't think they played yet. So I like where that one's headed. Um, Houston. This is a disappointing one. They were looking so good. I said I would take over nine and a half. I would actually take the prop on to win 10 plus because I had better odds and, uh, you know, to lay over nine and a half means they have to win 10. Uh, they're five and three. So unfortunately that one is not going to happen because it only takes into account regular season. So Houston, we're not quite going to get there. Um, maybe one of the biggest disappointing teams in, uh, in college football this year, Nevada under six, couldn't believe they're giving us six on this. This team is atrocious. If they win out, they still can only win five games. So that one cashes because they're at two and seven and, uh, my Bowling Green Falcons, they're four and four and we only needed, uh, we only needed the four. So we hit it by week four or week eight, pardon me. Um, so three for four on the win totals is looking like we've certainly cashed two, uh, and one hopefully upcoming in the next week or two. So not too, not too bad, not too shabby. Didn't Houston win the coin toss in an overtime game this year and elect not to play defense to start the overtime? Yeah. I'm, I don't know what they're thinking there. I was against tech. <laughs> that was like the ultimate throw my hands up in the air moment. Like this coaching staff, man, the coach. Yeah. The coaching staff is, is tough. This is what ran Dana Holgerson out of West Virginia too. It's just, it, they're, they're just not playing to their potential. Um, and we'll talk about some teams actually really soon that aren't playing to their last year's potential, but uh, it, it's, you win some, you lose some. I'll take 75% on win totals. Absolutely. Good stuff, man. All right, let's get into the slate of games for week 10 in college football. And we're not just starting on Saturday. We're not just starting on Friday or even Thursday. We're starting Wednesday night college football. We are in the middle of the 27 days of football, consecutive days of either a college or an NFL game. And we are going to look at Central Michigan at Northern Illinois Wednesday night, 7 p.m. on ESPNU. We have a spread of minus six here for Northern Illinois playing at home and a total of 57. Break it down for us, Maction King. 
Yeah, no, we, we had a great start to Maxon last night. If you listen to our mini pod that we released uh, yesterday, you went 2-0. So con- congratulations on that, patting ourselves on the back. Uh, moving on with Central Michigan, Northern Illinois. This spread has moved uh, today, actually, because it was minus four when I woke up this morning. It is now all the way up to six, which is not a traditional key figure, but it is an important number to note. And if it keeps moving toward Northern Illinois, you're eventually going to hit that key figure seven. The reason for that is because uh, NIU quarterback Rocky Lombardi is probably returning to the field this year. He's been in and out of the lineup. He played some last week, but wasn't very effective. Um, And the last game that Northern Illinois played, both their top two quarterbacks were out. They were on a third stringer. It was a mess. Uh, Spoiler alert, they didn't win. They lost by seven to Ohio, who looked very, very good against Buffalo last night. What happened to these teams? They're, they're both two and six. Central Michigan last year was one of the most explosive teams in the country. They had the leading rusher on their team and Northern Illinois is the MAC champion. And now they're both sitting at two and six. So kind of sad to see that go. But, uh, you know, we're we're dealing with the hands were dealt. Uh, NIU is one of the worst pass defenses in the nation. I think that's the same from last year. They're not very good on uh, not very good on defense. They give up a ton of explosive plays. And, you know, if you if you set this up with the Central Michigan we expected to have on hand, that would be a serious problem. And I'd be all over Central Michigan. But the problem is this this Chips offense is struggling, it is struggling. Lou Nichols, uh, he was the leading rusher from last year. He was rushing at 5.4 yards per attempt. Now he's only doing it 3.4 yards per attempt. He's missed the last two games. He's probably going to be back tonight. We'll see, but he's still running at a ridiculously inefficient rate compared to what he was doing. Now, the offense, the uh, the offensive line, they've had to reshuffle some guys around. They lost some guys last year, and it just took the explosiveness right out of this team. They're 97th overall in the country in yards of 20 or uh, in plays of 20 or more yards. Uh, it's, It's so sad to see this Central Michigan team go the way it has, especially week one when they had this furious comeback against Oklahoma State in the uh, in the second half and got the cover there. Um, but yeah, the, the wind's been taken out of their sails. This team is just not moving the ball very well. So central Michigan's, uh, two wins this year. They beat Bucknell in the FCS. Congratulations. They also beat Akron by seven and Akron's one of the worst teams in the country. Otherwise they've honestly really not been all that competitive. They got blown up by Bowling Green, got blown out by Toledo. It's just kind of a tough watch for them. So I think I would probably lean Northern Illinois minus six here. The, the closing line value is gone as of this morning. So I'm probably not going to actually bet this myself. But if you are really adamant on betting aside, I would take Northern Illinois here. By the way, you went to Kent State on Tuesday night in, in Mac country. How was it? <laughs> it was very foggy at, at the end of the game. You couldn't see the players on the field. Uh, I was happy because I, I was sitting there with the Ball State ticket. Plus seven, they went outright. That was fun. I couldn't show it too much, though, because I didn't want to uh, piss people of oh, the 300 or 400 people around me off, but hey, whatever. Uh, no, it was fun. I, I love Max and I love getting out there. It was actually like a pretty nice warm night for Northeast Ohio in November. So it was enjoyable. Good stuff, man. Thursday night college football schedule. We have a game between Appalachian State and Coastal Carolina. App State, a three point road favorite at Coastal, total of 64. This one again, Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, What stood out to you when you started handicapping this game? Well, this is always a great game. Just annually, it's the one that both teams circle. They they do not like each other because they're both competing for Sunbelt supremacy. Grayson McCall for Coastal, still doing his thing. 15 touchdown passes, only two picks, uh, and completing about 70% of his passes. Uh, He's terrific. 
And I think he's going to make a pretty good pro quarterback too. Just something to keep an eye on uh, come April. But it, it does hurt this year that he doesn't have a go-to threat like Isaiah Likely, who we're seeing is not just good for Coastal, but he's like a beast for the Baltimore Ravens now too. Yeah. So he doesn't really have that go-to guys kind of spreading the ball out a little bit more. And in these kind of crunch situations, he doesn't have the Isaiah Likely to be like, you know what, I'm just throwing the ball to you 115 times this year. But his numbers haven't really hurt all that much. He's still doing terrific. Uh, Appalachian State, they've struggled this season against the better quarterbacks. Drake May had a field day with them when North Carolina hung 63 on this App State uh, defense. And Todd Sentio, who has been the driving force behind James Madison before he got hurt, uh, also led them to, uh, 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 well, James Madison to a victory over App State in App State, which was a great game to watch. Uh, and then they also lost a weird game to Texas State where they outgained them in every facet of the game, but still lost. So, uh, yeah, I- interesting there. But Grayson McCall should be able to take advantage of this defense, especially on third down, because App State atrocious on third down defense. They're allowing conversions on 43% of third downs. That's 101st of the nation. Uh, but they're also playing pretty well against the pass. I mean, Sentio beat them, but he only threw for 129 yards. So, it's inconsistent. It's interesting. I think McCall should be able to take advantage of that defense. But the problem is, is that Coastal's one-dimensional. They they can't run the football, and App State's not very good at defending the run, so that would be a nice opportunity for them to take advantage of. But they just don't run the ball. They're they're throwing the ball at a ridiculously high rate, and for good reason. I, I mean, you have Grayson McCall. I would throw it 100 times as well. Uh, but what happens if Appalachian State takes the pass away and Coastal becomes one-dimensional? <laughs> I don't think they're going to do very well. Uh, I, I think it's a pretty fair line. The aggregate power ratings have App State minus three on the road. That's exactly what the spread is. And this is typically a pretty high scoring game. The last two only, I guess, quote unquote, hit 57, considering the uh, total in this game, 64. But they do tend to score a lot of points, go back and forth. Maybe you could look at halftime lines. Uh, I don't love Coastal plus one and a half, especially since it's juice. That's basically saying just take them, you know, money line in, in the first half. So I don't think I have an actual bet that I'm placing on this game because it's weird, but I am looking for live opportunities. You know, if it looks like Coastal is going to be able to move the ball early through the air. Three games on the Friday night slate in college football in week number 10. Brett, you have pinpointed a matchup in the Pac-12. Number 23, Oregon State at Washington. The Huskies are a three and a half point Home favorite, total of 55 and a half after some line movement here. This one kicking off 10.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2 on Friday night. Yeah, if you like weird Pac-12 after dark games, this one's going to be even weirder because there is what I saw in a tweet as described as a atmospheric river over Seattle on Friday night. Uh, that's if, going to bring now, if, if any city in America is going to have an atmospheric river, Seattle would be on the top of my list. That is. For yeah. Sure. Yeah, no, for sure. But this isn't going to be your Seattle drizzle to moderate rain. Apparently, it's going to be dumping buckets on them as early as Thursday, all the way through Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's like it's just trapped over Seattle. So there's gonna be a lot of rain, uh, about 20 mile an hour sustained winds, 40 mile an hour gusts possible. Again, we're on Wednesday, so you want to keep an eye on this forecast to see if it does change. Because what we've done on this podcast before is take advantage of forecasted bad weather conditions that improved. We did it with the Clemson-NC State game and the hurricane that didn't end up really coming through during the game. So definitely keep an eye on that. 
the weather is going to affect Washington's offense much more than it is Oregon State's. Washington is an extremely effective passing offense. Michael Penix Jr. is playing some of the best football in the country, while Oregon State is a lot more efficient running the ball. And, you know, the rain affects the pass game more than the run game. So if you want to bet the total, which is what I like to look at in these kind of weird, messy games, I would wait to see how it is the day of. You're probably going to see the line move a bit more. If it's not going to be that bad, you, you could back the over because it's come down three points overnight. And, uh, you know, we've like I said, we've capitalized on these weather overreactions before. And if it's looking really, really bad, 55 is a pretty high point total for what could be a washout or playing in a lake. So you could bet the under there. It's kind of in the middle right now. It's it's an interesting point total. It's not super low. It's not super high. But, you know, if you frame it in, well, it's going to be clear weather conditions, then you got three points of value on, on the total. And if it's going to be a total washout, then 55 is just entirely too many points. So just keep an eye on that. Uh, Oregon State's been pretty good against the pass if we're just talking about the game itself. So they do match up pretty well against Oregon's offense. Um, but Oregon State is a lot more balanced. Uh, they They can throw the ball. They run the ball very well. The line did move a point in favor of Oregon State and put it to three and a half. And it was at four and a half uh, yesterday. So, yeah, again, I'm probably waiting to see the field conditions and then live bet it or put in a last minute bet accordingly. The total has ticked down another half point as we've been recording here. Fifty four and a half at most of the books. Uh, There is still a fifty five as far as the spread. Like we said, three and a half across the board. But there is a four available at BetMGM. And in terms of the up to the date forecast, as we record here Wednesday morning, East Coast time, uh, it's looking like not so much the 20 mile per hour sustained winds, but more like 15 to 20 uh, with that 7 p.m. Pacific time kickoff or 730 p.m. Pacific time kickoff and precipitation, you know, anywhere between 60 to 70 percent. So if we're talking winds less than 20 miles per hour as opposed to sustained over 20 with gusts in the 40s that's a little bit more manageable than than what we're currently seeing now sure it's yeah it's a little more manageable the thing that actually worries me uh the most about it though is the fact that it's going to rain the day the the night and the day before and that's going to get that field really swampy it's you know, if it was if it was dry and they just got this rain during the game, yeah, I'd make the ball a little slick. But these guys are playing at such a high level; it doesn't really make a big difference. But when the field starts to deteriorate, which Washington has grass, I believe, or are they on turf? I'm pretty sure they're turf. Okay, they're they're turf, but it, it can still mess up the turf and it po- it ponds really bad on on turf field. So again, if they're playing on like what we saw, like the Bears and 49ers play at the beginning of the year, the NFL season. Uh, it's it's going to mess it up. And the fact that it's raining the day before, the night before, and the day of is concerning to me more so than the wind. It is field turf here. I just, I just okay. uh, checked it okay. out. Okay. Then look out for ponding because new age astroturf, nice astroturf 3d3. If you want the official name, which was (laughs) just put in last year at Husky stadium, as I do my stadium investigation here on the podcast, only, only on this podcast, you're going to get that kind of information. So, Please keep tuning in. That that's why that's what the folks are here for. Yeah, not not the two D three AstroTurf, <laughs> the three D three. It's it's the upgrade. Maybe it rains better. I don't know. We'll <laughs> see. But just from from you know atmospheric river, just constantly dumping rain on Seattle. Uh, if that forecast doesn't change, I'm probably going to take the under. 
Atmospheric River sounds like a like a theme park ride. It sounds like something that'd be very it cool. Does. Like like a next level log flume or whatever. <laughs> All right, let's move on here. Saturday slate in college football. Number 17, North Carolina at Virginia, a noon kickoff on ACC Network. Brett has chosen another game to pinpoint against this miserable Virginia offense. North Carolina minus seven and a half on the road. Total of 59. Why are we going back to the Cavs in this week? Because I love picking on them. I just, I do. It's it. They, they hurt me early in the year when I thought that they could take on Illinois before I realized Illinois was really good. And since then, it's been really fun to bet against them because it hits almost every time. Basically, if you're like, I don't think they're going to score this many points or I think a good offense is going to beat them by more than seven and a half points. Spoiler alert. Uh, you take it. So. Drake May this year, how about him? 29 touchdown passes, only three picks. He's probably going to be a Heisman favorite rolling into next year because he's a red shirt freshman. This kid is playing out of his mind. Uh, and like you said, how bad is Virginia? Four overtime loss to Miami, 14 to 12. Are you kidding? <laughs> that was at home. Oh my gosh. Zero touchdowns scored in that game by either team. By the way, that 14 was was field goals and safeties. and ugh, ugh, Sicko's game of the week. Uh, it also took about 10,000 turnovers and one of the weirdest games I've ever seen to beat Georgia Tech. Just a bizarre fumble. It's oh, awful. Uh, and then they're blown out by Louisville with who didn't have Malik Cunningham in the game. So Virginia, I objectively is one of the worst teams in the country. Power five group five does not matter. And North Carolina's defense is actually improved. They're not historically terrible like they got off to uh, to start. Gene Chizik probably won't get fired this year now. They're still bad. No, no doubt about it. I'm not trying to say they have a good defense, but they've been playing better than they were. Uh, and Virginia's defensive numbers are really good, except for the fact that they played the 75th nationally ranked strength of schedule in an interesting split here. When Virginia plays teams below 90th nationally in points per drive, they have a plus 2.3 average scoring margin. So they're beating these teams. Uh, they did lose one of the games. Um, but yeah, plus 2.3 average score margin, right? Teams above 90th night. This isn't median. This is 90th. They're being outscored by 15.25 points per game. And North Carolina's 11th in that category. I don't care how bad their defense is. Virginia's offense is worse. So I don't think they're going to score on them. I think North Carolina will be able to score on them. Aggregate power ratings like North Carolina by almost 10 points. Just take the points. Take take seven and a half. I don't care that it's over the seven. I would take them up to 10. So I'm taking North Carolina. I love it. All right, let's talk about the game of the day in college football, potentially the game of the year in terms of college football playoff impact. In the SEC, number one Tennessee in the freshly minted college football rankings that just came out this week. At number three, Georgia, despite the rankings, Georgia, eight-point home favorite. This one, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on CBS, a total of 66 in this game. I know you love digging into this one. It's the game of the week. Huge implications here, both in the SEC and also for the national championship. What have you unearthed? Well, injuries are really hard. Injury reports are really hard to come by, but Georgia has one that is massive. Linebacker Nolan Smith, All-American candidate, he's done for the year. They're not going to have him. The market didn't really react to that. I think that's a bigger deal. He was the voice of the defense. He was a terrific player, preseason All-American, All-SEC, All-everything. He's done for the season. He will not play in this game. 
Jalen Carter, also otherworldly. He's he's missed a lot of this year. He hasn't played a lot, but Jalen Carter still, he was projected to be a top five NFL draft pick. Uh, he got limited reps in practice this week, but he's probably not playing at 100%. And he did play a little bit last week where he did really well. He tore up Florida. But again, limited reps. I'm interested to see if he's on the snap count this week again. But just know the top two defensive players for Georgia are either not playing or on a limited snap count. Just pay attention to that. Uh, the Georgia offense, way more balanced this year than they were last year. They're actually a very, very efficient passing team. They're fifth in success rate overall through the air. Um, but Georgia also hasn't played a team with a pace of play like Tennessee has. Uh, and, you know, they probably won't have a kind of slow start, but if they have the start that they had against Missouri or Kent state, they're done. They're going to lose and they're going to lose by a lot. So they can't have a slow start here. I don't think that they will, but just kind of for live betting, if that line doesn't react early on to Tennessee scoring one or two quick gimmies, I would jump on Tennessee quick. Just, just as a note. Um, we know what Tennessee brings to the table on offense. They're top six, top five, and everything. Hen and Hooker, currently the odds on Heisman favorite. If he wins this game, he's going to be a very long favorite, and it's going to be his trophy to lose. So keep that in mind if you're thinking, oh, well, if uh, Tennessee wins and, and uh, Hen and Hooker gets too big a favor, maybe I'll bet CJ Stroud. No, don't do that. It's it's about the voters. It's not about the players. And the voters are going to vote for Hen and Hooker if he wins this game, or honestly, if he's even really all that competitive. So. Tennessee's run defense, we all know it's extremely good. We've we've seen it happen. They shut down teams regularly, and they're getting a lot better against a pass. Against Alabama, they were a liability. Early in the year, they were a liability, but they made Will Levis look pedestrian. Like It looked like one of us stepped out there and tried to play quarterback for the Cats. He had a 21.6% success rate, negative 1.9 air yards per attempt, and three interceptions last week. Yikes. That was an ass kicking. Uh, something I actually did not see coming, but they destroyed Will Levis. They got a lot of pressure on him. Um, and Stetson Bennett, he's a little bit more Will Levis than he is Bryce Young. He's he, Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying he's going to have that kind of day, especially since Georgia has much better pass catchers than Kentucky does. And they should be able to move the ball through the air a little bit better than Kentucky does. But just keep in mind, Tennessee's run or pass defense is getting a little bit better and they're getting some pressure on the quarterback. Just a note there. Uh, I do not have a pregame bet on this one. The aggregate power ratings like Georgia by 7.8. I'm going to have to bump that up a few tenths of a point because you have to give a bigger home field advantage bump to Georgia in this game. This isn't your average one. Like this isn't Colorado. Well, Colorado probably have a below average, but you know what I'm saying? It's not an Oregon state. This is going to be one of the most juiced environments of the year. You have to give the bump to Georgia. Uh, Just keep that in mind. Again, I'm probably not putting in a pregame bet. I kind of just want to sit back and enjoy this one. But again, don't be afraid to bet Tennessee if they jump out to an early lead because they're not going to look back. Georgia probably won't be able to claw back if they get down big. So if you see Tennessee get out there, hit a couple quick ones, and that line doesn't react all that quickly, I would jump on Tennessee live. Before we move on, I just want to talk about the Heisman market here since you brought it up because – I think it is interesting that the favorite hooker is an eight point dog this week. And we know how important winning games is to the Heisman equation. Now, if you have a season like Lamar Jackson, where he's just off this planet with his statistics, it can happen. But uh, I think it's at least interesting that hooker is the favorite, but is an eight point dog this week. So do you think he's vulnerable? And if things go as projected here, 
is it worth taking a shot on a CJ Stroud at two to one or one of these long shots if if Tennessee loses this game as as the market expects? I probably wouldn't take the shot on CJ Stroud just because the voters like two things. They like new things and they like resurgent SEC powers. We've seen it with LSU, Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow torched his way to like absolutely deserving. But, you know, Devonta Smith was new. He wasn't a quarterback. Uh, and even though CJ Stroud didn't win last year, he still was a finalist. And there might be some voter fatigue with that. They might be like, wow, Hennon Hooker, what a story he is. Fifth year in college football, transferred from Virginia Tech after not being very good there. Lit it up last year, got our attention. All of a sudden, you know, he leads the Vols to a number one rate. And honestly, if anything besides him getting shut down and blown out by Georgia happens, I think he's going to maintain that favorite status. And again, when when betting the Heisman, you have to, you can't bet who you think the top player is. You have to bet how you think voters are going to vote. If I had a vote, Right now, it'd probably be Hennon Hooker, but it'd probably change Saturday if he doesn't play all that well. I don't think it's going to change for voters. I, I think they're pretty locked in on Hooker. I, you, you hear it on, as as much as I don't love listening to TV analysts, in the Heisman market, you kind of have to because those are the voters and that's the voice of the, the general sentiment. You have to see on Twitter what the voters are saying and they're all saying, oh, Hennon Hooker is now the favorite. Well, he's been the favorite in the betting market. We know that. That's not what sets the Heisman. It's these voters. So you have to listen in on what they're saying. There's a whole lot more talk about Hennon Hooker than there is about C.J. Stroud. That's the only reason I probably wouldn't put a, a, a bet in on C.J. Stroud at this point. You're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Fair enough. Let's move on on the slate here. Afternoon matchup as well. 3.30 p.m. kickoff on FS1. Oklahoma State, number 18 in the country, a two-point road favorite at Kansas. 65.5 total here, Brett. Yeah, I took Oklahoma State minus two, but that was rolling the dice based on I think Spencer Sanders is going to play. Based on what I've seen Mike Gundy say, he said he's hopeful he can play as of yesterday. So I wanted to take advantage of the line because if Spencer Sanders is confirmed to be playing or reports come out that he returns to practice, uh, that minus two is not sticking around. So I kind of took a little bit of a gamble on that. I totally understand if if others don't want to. We're talking about it in the uh, in the discord and a lot of people don't want to take the bet on that. That's fine. I, I totally get that. And I'm not going to sit here and be like, no, you should, you know, it, it's a risk. Uh, Jalen Daniels for Kansas returned to practice for the first time since he got injured against TCU in the health of the quarterbacks in this game is just going to swing this line all the way around. So Spencer Sanders is confirmed to be out. I wouldn't be surprised to see Kansas take over as a favorite is Spencer Sanders is confirmed to be in. I wouldn't be surprised to see this line bump up to like Oklahoma state minus six, maybe even minus seven. Um, it, the Pokes already got the worst game of the year out. They, they got, I mean, we saw what happened last week. It was 
is a shocker to everybody to lose 48 nothing to Kansas State. Please don't take just that game to project Oklahoma State moving forward. Don't do that. That is, we, we talked about percentages and best games and worst games, and you always play the middle, again, depending on injury, but they already played their worst game of the year. So I'm not taking 48 nothing and being, oh, that's the Oklahoma State we're going to get in, in Lawrence. No, no, it's probably not. But Oklahoma State had zero red zone plays against Kansas State. That's concerning. Kansas State, really good defense, but zero red zone plays. I mean, not shocker to see the goose egg on the scoreboard with that. Um, I'm not using the aggregate power ratings here because it factors in numbers with Spencer Sanders without Jalen. It's kind of a mess. So you're kind of flying blind on that. But interestingly, under Spencer Sanders, they had Oklahoma State through for 11.5 air yards per attempt. When uh, Mike Gundy's son, Gunner Gundy, came in, that dropped down to 5.9. Uh, oof. That, oof. Yikes. So if Gunner I'm, Gundy's I'm shocked that the zero-star coach's son, backup quarterback, uh, struggled. I'm shocked. Yeah, it's, it is a, it's a tough season for nepotism this year yeah. between Brian <laughs> Ferentz and Gunner Gundy. Um, yeah, so if Spencer Sanders plays, I'm backing Oklahoma State, and I feel really good about that minus two. It's going to be a massive steal on closing line value. Kansas, atrocious on defense. And again, I, I can't imagine that we're going to get another instance like we did last week from the Pokes. It's just really tough to handicap this game with the two biggest factors. Questionable. We don't know anything about. Okay, now let's move forward here to the ACC, or at least half the ACC here. I guess Notre Dame's like a glorified ACC. ACC team. They they play yeah, a bunch ACC. of games against the ACC now. So, uh, all right. Anyway, prime time on NBC, 7 p.m., uh, number four, Clemson, minus three and a half on the road at Notre Dame, total of 47 and a half. Brett, the, the movement here has been interesting because I think this opened at three, got up to five, and then we're coming back the other way here. Um, so early money Clemson, now buyback on Notre Dame. What do you think about that? What do you think about the actual on-field handicap here? I think think the movement toward Notre Dame last week with higher limits is a lot more interesting hmm. just to keep that in mind, especially if this number hits three again, if it hits three again, Oh boy. Uh, it's not often that you see a top five team this short of a favorite versus an unranked team. The last time we saw it last year, number three, Michigan state lost to Purdue outright. And I know Purdue was the giant killer last year, but Notre Dame has been of much much improved team. I mean, they went into the JMA wireless dome and kicked the <laughs> teeth in of Syracuse and the JMA wireless yes, dome. Like did. we said, is a place you don't walk in there and beat the crap on, but they did. They're, they're just a way better improved team. Um, Notre Dame's also way better on the road than at home. So that's a little bit concerning. Uh, kind of weird. Like they lost to Stanford outright at home. They lost to Marshall outright at home, but they played Ohio state tough on the road. They play, you know, they beat the crap out of Syracuse on the road. Just a weird, weird team. Uh, the aggregate power ratings like Clemson by 4.1 points. That discrepancy is not exciting enough for me to bet Clemson. But if it does get down to three, I will bet Clemson because I think Clemson is the better team. Notre Dame doesn't play very well at home. I can't trust Notre Dame or their quarterback or their defense or any of it. I don't trust Tommy Reese. I don't even trust Marcus Freeman right now. So I think if it hits Clemson minus three, I am going to fire on that. Maybe we'll get that to kick off. I kind of don't think so. I kind of think this three and a half points is maybe the low watermark. Um, and dear God, do not take common opponents and compare the two teams. 
don't do it. Don't look at how Clemson fared against Syracuse and how Notre Dame fared against Syracuse because they're two different teams with two different game plans, two different situations, all of that. Uh, I think that's actually partly responsible for the movement on Notre Dame. I think they looked at common opponent and said, well, Notre Dame kicked the crap out of Syracuse and Syracuse probably should have beaten Clemson. Don't do that, please. That is a losing strategy. So again, if it hits minus three, I'll probably take Clemson. Don't love it at three and a half. Uh, Just watch this one. I think Clemson's a better team. Notre Dame plays poorly at home. Three games ago, Notre Dame lost to Stanford and only scored 14 points. They beat UNLV. Who cares? And they go into Syracuse and the box score looks great. Syracuse lost their starting quarterback in the middle of that game. So how much credit do you really want to give Notre Dame for that one? When, when Syracuse played more than half the game without their starting quarterback. So well, they're starting quarterback through a pick six on the first play. That's true. That also, and but that's kind of also fortunate. That's an also yeah. fortunate break for Notre Dame. That is tough to handicap any given week. So, and for the most part, Schrader's been good for Syracuse. So yes. I, I'm just saying, I think Notre Dame's getting a little too much credit here based on, you know, they've clearly improved, but this is a big step up in class here now to play Clemson. Um, I know it's a road game, but I think three and a half would be a buy point here for me for Clemson uh, now that it's come back down to that. Um, I know that's against the market here, but I, I'm not I'm not believing in Notre Dame yet at this point. Yeah, if you've bet against the market in the past few weeks, you've actually done pretty well. Because I've always worried about betting against the market, especially when it's, you know, a small part of the handle moving the line away. Uh, you've, you you would have done pretty well, especially last night. If you bet against the market last night, oh, man, you you, you hit on everything. Uh, last note on this game, I yeah, I, I Clemson's a better team. I... Last note on this, I, I just can't wait for the for the committee to use Notre Dame as a good win in Clemson's resume later. <laughs> Subtle jab. I like it. Prime time on ESPN Saturday night in Death Valley, number six, Alabama, a 13 and a half point favorite at number 10 LSU against Brian Kelly and his fake Cajun accent over under of 58 and a half in this one. It's not often Brett that you see a team go into a night game at LSU and be almost a two touchdown favorite, especially a team like Alabama who got blasted on their defense, got blasted when they went to Knoxville and played Tennessee. So a uh, huge spread here. Where, where do you land on this one? Yeah, do you know why Alabama's almost a two-touchdown favorite? It's because LSU's not really the 10th-ranked team in the country. <laughs> the AP poll had them like 16, 17. My power ratings have them like 17, 8. Yeah, that, that's where they are. They're not a top-10 team. This is selling you snake oil. They're some of the biggest frauds in the college football playoff rankings. Now, the team as a total, I don't believe, is a bunch of frauds, but they're not the 10th-ranked team. Get out of here. Uh, that's why Alabama's almost two-touchdown favorite. Uh, and yeah, LSU, they're above five, one loss teams. I guess they just forgot that LSU got boat raced by Tennessee at home, or maybe it's just cause they're number one, two. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, uh, the Alabama line's actually starting to move in favor of LSU. And I, I think it's because they're playing in death Valley at night. That is probably the most difficult environment to play in college football. And yeah, we saw how Alabama handled playing at Tennessee. They committed a million penalties and that's what they've been doing all year. They may commit another million penalties in this game. It's something I'm definitely putting in my handicap, even though above average or below average penalties is kind of a tough 
way to handicap games because you can't really predict it. But in this kind of environment, I am pretty confident in that. You can actually find a 12 and a half at FanDuel. It is juiced. Um, so obviously I'm not laying that, but uh, yeah, LSU against Ole Miss, they took away the run uh, and they made Ole Miss one dimensional. And that's how they beat the crap out of them at home, which is great. You're not going to do that against Alabama. You're not going to do that against Bryce Young and, and those pass catchers. So uh, if LSU is going to win this game uh, or honestly even keep it within the 13 and a half points, it's going to have to be a track meet. And I don't really trust LSU to get into a track meet. I, I don't. I know they scored 45 on Ole Miss. I don't think they're going to do that on Alabama. Uh, aggregate power ratings only favor Alabama by 11 and a half. But this feels like a really good statement game for Alabama. They're seeing LSU rank number 10. They thought they were going to be 15, but now they're not. This is a top 10 win teed up for Nick Saban and Alabama on the road when they were left out of the top four, which makes sense. But you know how Nick Saban's going to spin that. We're disrespected. I think they're going to walk into Death Valley and beat the crap out of LSU. I would, I'd probably take 13 and a half. Yeah, you have a note here about first half. I know it's obviously a very sure. popular betting angle in embedding Alabama is just to take Bama to, in the yeah. first half when they just boat race a lot of teams. So yeah, when uh, when that you, becomes like available, that yeah, when, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I would. It's it's because the, the line, the first half for me, I in my books, I have not seen uh, available yet, so I didn't want to say that I like it better than the number that I have in front of me. We could probably expect yeah. seven and a half to be the first half line here for Alabama. Um, and if you want to take that, yeah, I, I could just, again, this, this is just situationally a game where Nick Saban and Alabama walk in, they get a good neck crack in there and they remind the country, we are Alabama. We are the, the third favorite to win the national championship. And here's why, and I'm sorry, LSU, we're making a statement out of y'all. I am seeing a first half line now up at DraftKings, Alabama in the first half, minus seven, minus one Oh five. Oh yeah. Give me that. Give me that. Minus seven at minus one five. Absolutely. Sure. And if you want to wait to see if that drops down to six and a half, but even better, but it's tough with those first halves. They, they move a lot more slowly than full games just because you're dealing with less points, less time. Yeah. Seven and a half minus one five. Absolutely. That, that, that'll be my bet over minus 13 and a half full game. And I do want to at least check FanDuel here as well, because that line has moved to 12 and a half now. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, just like you said, lines do move a little bit more slowly on the halftime or the first half lines when it comes to these versus the full game. So uh, pulling it up now, we got 12 and a half on the full game minus 115 for Alabama. And we do have a first half spread. See, OK, it's minus seven and a half Alabama plus yeah. 100. Yeah. Ooh, no, no. So Se- I, the, I would take, I would the take seven. a seven. Yeah. Just because yes. of the push rate you get at seven, especially I, I, I only have full game push rates available to me. I, I don't know if half push rates are available out there. Um, I would imagine that, that that's the a seven huge is a difference. Higher. That's a yes. huge difference though. On a first half line between seven yeah. and seven and a half. Yep. Absolutely. That that's what I'm saying. Probably. Yeah. I, I, I would take the Alabama minus seven minus one five. I feel very confident in that. Uh, again, maybe I'm falling victim to benefit it out to Alabama, but th- this is just something we've seen a thousand million times under Nick Saban, where he's just like, okay, we lost now. Now we get an opportunity. I mean, it happened against Mississippi state, but Mississippi state is not top 10 LSU. I think they make a statement out of them. It is going to be an awesome week of college football 
for the Week 10 schedule. As always, let us know in the comments who you are betting on this week. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already to check out the enormous library of sports betting content we're putting out every week, not just college football, NFL content as well, multiple shows for that. World Cup is coming up at the end of November. We have some shows firing there with Dan Tracy and Josh Lander. And as always, go to the lines.com, top right corner, hit the Discord button, Go to the Rolls server in there. It's completely free. You can hit the buttons and get push notifications. Anytime anybody on our staff locks in a bet, Brett Gibbons is doing that every week with college football and making sure you get the best of the number uh, before the line movement hits us and, and we lose that value. So thank you, everybody, again for watching. Enjoy the college football. It's almost Thanksgiving, but we got a feast already with this slate. It's going to be fantastic. So for Brett, I'm Steven. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week.